Welcome, everybody. Welcome to uh, Questions You Never Thought You Could Ask in Church. Who's got a birthday oh. today? Happy birthday, birthday to you! No, it's not my birthday. But I'll tell you what. Love the song. Yeah, keep going. So, what you didn't want anybody to know yesterday, because we I spent literally five hours with you in meetings, <laughs> and not once did you mention anything about your birthday. So, kind of made me mad. Yeah, but then bit, I'm like, I'm gonna get get some revenge here. Today. So we got this song going. Happy birthday, Dave! Yesterday, thirty-two. Oh, good, good, because sixty-eight allows you to use the gift that I got. So happy birthday! Oh, it's beautiful. That's beautiful. I'm gonna cherish that. I can't just set it down because our radio listening audience needs to hear the tiara that hey, I'm wearing. For those four people that are watching online. Uh, yeah, right? Oh, we have eight. We have yeah, eight okay. People. Don't sell yourself right. short. Sorry, times two. So I got a question for you, Steve, in this. Mm -hmm. I'm like kind of curious. You said five hours of meetings yesterday and not once. Did you know it was my birthday? Am I supposed to walk around like on my birthday going, hey, guess what? Yes. It's my birthday. Yes, because that's yeah. what I, mean, I would is that do. Is that the, the way to do it? Uh -huh. No, All someone right. did say All something right. during our staff meeting. Well, they did? I wasn't in there then. I wasn't. You in were there. in there. Not that. Well, <laughs> you were in there. You're kind of only one point in there. Let, let's revisit that 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 statement. I was there. Am I listening? You, you were there in body. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> I mean, it is a staff meeting. Yeah. All right. I mean, uh, come on. Your present was to you from me during that staff meeting. It is just talk. Just go ahead and give it whatever you want out to the no staff. Interruptions, well, no interruptions. Yeah. Because I had a lot of comments that I reserved, wow. and that was my present to you. <laughs> You see, just I not mean, to was, chime in, and, and you didn't even know it was a special day. I, I mean, this is just yeah. testimony to your your kindness and God at work in your life. I mean, your ask, greatness as a human. Ask a lot of people. A human. Ask a lot of people in my life; they'll tell you how uh, how much I really care. They'll tell you. They'll tell you how much I care. Our listening audience: uh, <laughs> Becky, Chris, uh, Brooke, Steve. <laughs> Chime in, guys. Any of you in, how much feel do like I really Dave care? is so kind. See, look at Brooke says you are so kind, Steve. See, she knows me really well. She just doesn't want to be taken out of the band. She's got it's true. <laughs> it's true. Oh, I won't take her out of the band. I'll take her away. Uh, I'll take away her capo pedal so that uh, she'll have to go. literally transpose on the fly every song. So. <laughs> That's brutal. Brutal punishment. Be nice, Brooke. <laughs> well, happy Groundhog's Day, everyone. And uh, Is it Groundhog's or Groundhog? I, I think it should be plural. I don't think it is in any way is whatsoever. Is it possessive? Groundhog Day? Well, we wouldn't want know. the other Groundhogs. Is, is it the Groundhog's Day or is like, it just Groundhog Day? That's a big claim. That's, that really is. I'm going to name it Andrew's Day. I don't know if any other animal that can claim a day. <laughs> For those Groundhogs that are out there popping up all over and there is no camera around to see you, we want to include them too. Do they we're make in, a sound? We're very inclusive. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and for those of you who aren't in the the general McHenry Woodstock, Illinois area, a little known fact, but the movie Groundhog's Day back in the '90s with Bill Murray was actually filmed in the Woodstock Square, which is uh, about ten minutes maybe from the church where the three of us serve in McHenry, Illinois. It's called Fellowship of Faith, and every 
Groundhog Day to this day. They have the 7 a.m. festival where the groundhog mm-hmm. comes out, real life groundhog, to see what he is going to prognosticate in terms of when's winter going to end. And I don't, were you guys at it this morning? I, I was because little. Here's another trivia. Well, because we know you, Steve. <laughs> you, and I mean, thank you, you for town events. It. Trivia. Yeah. I love town events. Yes, but. Don't let this get out, but I'm the actual groundhog in the costume. <laughs> Ever since we moved here two years ago, they were like, man, this guy would be a great groundhog. <laughs> you see popping your head out. So the mayor came over, presented me with a key and the, the suit, and uh, it was a little chilly this morning. Yeah. You know, Good old Woodstock Willie. Yeah. And so he wanted me to see my shadow, but I don't want to see my shadow. Well, so I'm told that the groundhog actually did not see his shadow this morning. Well, there's no sun I, this morning. I, no, but there's I, only 72 I, weeks of winter left. I literally so just said that. <laughs> I mean, I, I just said that. At least we didn't add on those extra weeks. I, I know. 72. Who, who could take it? That's yeah, I mean, you know, Maybe by July of 2023, we're going to be out of this. So. <laughs> and, and, for well, this the, is, and for all the listeners out there, actually, Groundhog's Day is a Chicago thing. You have to throw S on the back of things if you're from Hogs. Uh, you either put the word the in like the jewel. Mm. Uh, oh, the jewel. Uh, That's wrong though. Or or hogs. So, so it's really a Chicago vernacular thing. Yeah. You know? There's uh, a lot of pirates that live around here. I don't know if you knew that too. And I like Dave. Dave is he said not only is it cars, but yesterday in staff, and I could have said something about this too, but it's cards. Cards with a D. And I'm like, wow, he really needs the eye patch. <laughs> Why didn't you get him one for his birthday? I should have. Come on, what are you doing? Next year, man. Next year, next year for for sixty, I'll get I you that. The patch. <laughs> yeah, for sixty. For sixty, I'll look forward to it. Uh, yes. Well, everyone, this is questions you never thought you could ask in church, and here's what it's about. It's about asking the questions you have about God, about Christianity, about the Bible. Um, maybe it's questions that you're afraid to ask, questions that you're embarrassed to ask, questions you fear you'll be judged if you ask, questions you don't really know who to ask. What we invite you to do is to text them in. We think that having questions about God is good and that to ask them is the best thing we should do, even in the face of our uncertainties, of our doubts, uh, of the things that keep us awake at night or maybe just strike us in the moment. You can text those questions in to 815-314-0363. Again, one more time, that's 815-314-0363. If you are joining us online and getting to check out the tiara, yeah, we put and that on real quick. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not going to get a picture of that with. Well, I got it right now. So, <laughs> I'm, I'll put. I'll it give out. you the beads, though, Steve. You, I'll give you the beads. You know, you look like a like. Cupid, I look like something. Cupid that just took got back from New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. If you're joining us online. <laughs> We're at 216 The Net, or you can go through Facebook to Fellowship of Faith and uh, post your questions in either of those formats as well. As always, we get a volume of questions. We really can't handle every show, but we'll get to them as we can, and uh, each question is important to us. So so please uh, ask away and, and stay tuned with us, and we'll get to them. I know we always have an inbox here, Andrew. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the iPad and open in front of you. It seems uh, quite voluminous. Is that a word? <laughs> No. How do you how do you spell that one? You combine voluptuous with yummy. Follow you? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it just kind of captures what I'm like sensing off this list right here. Voluptuous. It's it's bursting off the pad, man. So, So, Andrew, where are you taking us today? Let's get into some questions. Uh, Give me beads. You give me a tiara, man. This this you never know where it's gonna go. 
But this first question is really just for me. Oh, I'm good. curious. You want me to ask it? If you want to, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't, want, I don't want you to be overwhelmed. Can you read Which that? Which one is it? Well, I have the my readers one. on. You better get those trifocals on there, Steve. <laughs> These things are like a dollar from the dollar store. So each lens is probably a little bit different. <laughs> yeah, right, right. One of them isn't even a lens. No, just no, with, yeah. with, with plexiglass. It's, I'm a pirate. Anyway, what? which one? Number what? Number one. Number one. Yeah. For Andrew, any mention of groundhogs in the Bible? <laughs> Andrew? Yep. I'm curious. Uh, you, you know what? <clears throat> Not that I know of, but here's the thing. Especially, I thought this was for Andrew. Let's no, go I, I asked. The oh, question. you're asking that. Yeah. Okay. You know, when it comes to like what you call flora and fauna, you know, like animals and like birds and animals and plants and, you know, gems and stuff like that. It's kind of funny if you look in modern English translations, they'll often kind of like footnote it and go, the precise meaning of this Hebrew word is uncertain going like we know it's a plant. We're just not sure what plant it is or we know it's an animal. We're just not sure what animal it is. Yeah. And so like you get all these mentions of things that they translate like like conies, whatever that is. I think it's a rabbit or something like that, or rock badgers or hyraxes. If you have any clue what a hyrax is, please let me know um, and stuff like that. So, so I guess maybe, maybe I, I can't really talk intelligently about the habitats of groundhogs or the migration patterns of woodchucks or stuff like that. So <laughs> I mean, like, you have like, so much knows, knowledge, but your biological a little lacking on that front. So it's not vol volum Volume. I don't remember even what the word was. <laughs> I couldn't even say it. But I tried. Volumetrics? No, that's something different. We'll, we'll let you just kind of ponder and wait mm. on that one. Yeah. So there you go. That's what I can do for groundhogs for you. Okay. So the answer is a definite maybe. <laughs> I like that. Oh, you like that one? What? Where, where, where did the ground, ground groundhog stem from? Like it was it is the his ground, own man. thing. That's what Ground and hogs. Part hog, part ground. Part ground, part hog, yeah. So like a, go like a golem, you know it. Couldn't a groundhog be any animal that lives in the ground? Because it doesn't look like a hog, like a pig. Like a snake? Or like prairie dogs, or like any of those could be, I feel like, considered groundhogs. Yeah, yeah, we need some kind of like a foxes. biologist or a zoologist to get on the show here. A prairie dog doesn't look like a ground fox. species. A ground dog? I don't know. Anyway, let's okay. get into some real questions. <laughs> uh, we got one through Facebook here that I think will be good to start off of. Um, what? Let's see. Will we need to have a job in heaven? What do we do when we get there? It's eternity. <laughs> Quote, unquote, anything I want might get boring. Yeah. Can you imagine showing up and it's like data entry or something like that? And it's just like, oh, this is a tough shtick. Uh, you know, uh, great question. Thank you so much for asking, Steve. Will we need to have a job in heaven? I'm going to change the wording of your question a little bit because because I'm, I'm hesitant to go with need. I'm not sure we're going to need a job in heaven, but will you want a job in heaven? Will mm. you be grateful for a job in heaven? And, and I think the speculative answer is yes. The Bible tells us far less about heaven when it comes to these specifics than, of course, I think... Um, we want, um, then, then we want to know. And by heaven, I'm going to translate this out to new heavens, new earth after the resurrection, and not just what we could talk about as the intermediate state of heaven, um, as we think about it right now. But if, if the new heavens and new earth in some way parallels God's original creation, what you see before the fall is that God actually had work for Adam and Eve to do. He actually comes to them and says, you know, you know, work the ground, take care of it, protect it. He says to them, rule over the earth, subdue it, that they were meant to take what God created and develop it 
further. And to me, if that does parallel or work by analogy, I think that's actually good news because I think one of the biggest fears people have about heaven is what am I going to do for all eternity? Is it going to be boring? But, you know, Steve, I'm looking across at you and, you know, you're a musician and, and I just try to imagine what it would be like to spend 10,000 years honing your craft without decay, fatigue, boredom, or all the things that kind of plague us right now getting in the way. And then to be able to develop on that and know that it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and better and better. What does it look like to be able to push it to that degree? That's something that actually excites me mm. about heaven. And, and not just in that one <clears throat> little capacity, but then what, what discovery continues to come as a result? Yeah, I don't know. You know, I... I hope that I don't I, I, like. I like music here on Earth. It's yeah, fine. But you, you're done. Huh? I don't know that I want to do it there. It'd be like yeah. the Okami manual service for all time. <laughs> yeah, can yeah. You imagine just that. Keep right, playing. Right. It'd be like ten thousand reasons on a loop. <laughs> <laughs> ten thousand reasons combined with. If that's it, I I didn't make it to heaven. Times or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Steve knows right there. I know something. that's the determining. Oh, what what is that I hear? Bless the Lord. Oh man. I didn't make it. <laughs> uh, sorry for any of you that love that song, which I know there are people that do love that song, and it has significant meaning, so I don't want to tear that down to each their own. Anyway. We have a quick follow-up here on that question from our Seward House Church. Thanks, Terry. Um, do we know what relationships will be like in heaven? Will we be married or even know our family and friends? You know, I don't know a, if that's a quick follow-up or not. It, it, but, you know, I, I love the married question on this. It's a, it's a little actually... Yeah, um, do I get a new there's wife? a little bit more to go with. <laughs> I think that's what he's asking. He's yeah, right. right. <laughs> not me. Not I'm you. not asking And that you can always like, judge I love the temperature of the room based on which way people are hoping yeah. on this question. You know? Are my kids going to be around? Like? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what about that dog I hated for 17 years? Anyway. All right, so to answer the question directly to marriage, Jesus himself says that when we are resurrected or in heaven, you, you know, whatever language you want to give this, I'm just going to kind of mash it all together, that people will neither be married nor given in marriage. He actually says this in response to a, um, a trap that some religious leaders are setting for him who don't believe in the resurrection at all. And they're trying to show the absurdity of the resurrection from their point of view. Because, of course, their basis is, this is stupid. It isn't real. It doesn't work. And, uh, and it's not going to happen. Um, Jesus, of course, uh, as one who was raised from the dead, obviously believes very different about this matter. And they come to him and they set up a hypothetical question and they go, okay, so imagine this, imagine there's this woman who's like married and her husband dies. And then she gets married again and her husband dies again. And then she gets married again and her husband dies again. And then she gets married again. And at this point, you're kind of wondering, why do people keep marrying this woman? It's like, you know, Black Widow here, right? But this happens seven times. To whom will she be married to in the resurrection? And Jesus is like, I mean, this is kind of my translation here. He's like, you're such an idiot. You know, you just don't get it and you don't understand the scriptures. Uh, people will neither be married nor given in marriage. And then he says this really odd thing. They'll be like the angels, which of course led to all kinds of strange misinterpretations. Like you're going to get your wings or, you know, what that means. But we got to unpack marriage to get into this follow-up question. And of course, it's going to pertain to the relationship question as well. And I'm going to throw the question back at you. Were Adam and Eve married? Mm. <clears throat> well, was there a ceremony? 
were they recognized by the state? Was there rice? Was there rice? Yeah. Did they spend fifty thousand dollars? Did they do the macarena? Did they do the macarena? Who did? I mean, these really are the litmus tests, right? Right. Um, Were they married? Yes. You say yes. Andrew, where yet? I don't know. Well, I think it depends on how we define marriage. Okay. So, like, if we're looking at marriage as a covenant between God and each other, I would say yes, because I think they were committed to each other. raising a family together, that type of thing. So, okay. So you would probably more married than Barbie and I are. You think so? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, probably. All right. Because you know, Barbie wasn't made from my insides or my bones. No. Are are you grateful for that? Well, I mean, I can kind of cool sometimes. I mean, sometimes I wish like instead of a rib, (laughs) maybe it's your belly. Yeah. Yeah. Here's, here's 20 pounds of like extra, extra material. Congratulations. You're made out of pure fat. (laughs) (laughs) We are not saying that about you, Barbie. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> no, that's true of anyone. It's not Barbie. Mm-hmm. But here's where I'm going with it, because it does come down, Andrew, to what you said of how you define marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at some maybe lowest common denominator level, what I'd say marriage is, is a commitment uh, to one another in this special relationship with accountability. Mm-hmm. And what that accountability looks like over a history, space, and time is, is, is shifted. You know, be it a government, be it a state, be it a, fam- a family structure, be it a patriarch, be it a church, be it, you know, whatever that 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 source of accountability is, uh, you know, is, is a little bit more fluid. Um, but the point of accountability is that you are liable to break your promise. Otherwise, you don't need to be accountable, right? Mm. If you're going to do it, then why do you need to be accountable, right? Likewise, you could say, uh, why do you need a law? If there's no possible chance that you could break what it's about. And so in the new heavens and new earth, you're not going to need things like accountability. You're not going to need things like laws because being a, if I can use the term, perfected human being or completely renewed and sanctified human being, you no longer need commands, if you will, or accountability structures to keep you on the straight and narrow. This is actually what Paul is getting at in Galatians when he says, you know, the fruit of the spirit is things like love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, etc. Against these things, there's no law because if you live those perfectly, you wouldn't need laws to tell you what to do, right? And so there, there certainly won't be this structure as we think about it today in terms of marriage by our paradigms. But that shouldn't lead us to believe that there won't be connection with the human beings that we've known on this earth or be able to have even intimate connections, if you will, in the new heavens, new earth. Now, we can go down the speculative trail of what that means when I say the word intimate, and am I talking about actual sex? Am I talking about actual physicality? Am I talking about something else? But I would just simply argue that everything we experience here on earth is a shadow, if you will, and forgive me if I'm sounding too much like a Platonist, but it's, 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 it's a shadow or at least at best a corruption of what God intended to be fully expressed in the beginning and when we come again um, in creation and uh, the new creation of the new heavens and new earth. Um, Likewise, another point to bring into the marriage thing is that in the Bible, uh, one of the main points of marriage is procreation. And one of the main points of sex, of course, is procreation. It's not the only point. um, And it's certainly probably not the most prevalent point for most people in society today. But nonetheless, uh, you don't need to, per Genesis 1, populate the earth 
anymore. And so there's some negation on that. But my encouragement to people who are afraid that they won't know or see their loved one on the other side is um, trust that if God is good, trust that if God has done something in the nature of human relationships that reflects that goodness, and trust that if God is looking to restore that which we have broken, that in the new heavens and new earth, you are going to see fuller expressions, however that might look on that side. And it could be that like on the other side of that, like I want to see my wife, of course, kids, you know, family, that type of, but there are people that I don't want to see that I'm, I'm pretty sure they're going to be there. And they're going to be the people singing 10,000 reasons forever, forever. Right. (laughs) Surrounding you, holding hands. Yes. They're just going to follow you everywhere. It's, gonna be- it's like a minstrel. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get me to leave. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I've had enough of this. Steve's starting to get nervous over here on the other side. And Paul closed the gates. <laughs> um, I think one jumping off of this is a, another marriage question, but earthly marriage in this mm. one. Um, I was at a wedding and in the vows, the minister asked her, the bride, will you obey him? Mm. Uh, it was done by a Christian minister, and I'm wondering if being a Christian means that women have to obey men. Thanks. I'm really bothered by this. <laughs> yeah, and you are not alone. Thank you so much for asking the question. And what I'm doing is I'm pulling up Ephesians chapter 5 right now, and I just want to read a collection of verses to you, which uh, a lot of these marriage liturgies find their root or their basis out of. Uh, most marriage liturgies, at least of the 20th century and before, they're getting more modified today, will have some kind of line like this. Um, Will you uh, love him, comfort him, honor him, obey him, and keep him in sickness and in health, and forsaking all others be wife to him, as long as you both shall live, both shall live. And you won't often see it on the male side. What it's kind of doing is trying to find um, an expression that Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 5, when he's giving instructions for how we are to live as one in Christ, because foundationally, anyone who is in Christ, we're one with each other. And Paul will say things like, there's no distinctions. There's no Jew or Greek. So there's no nationality distinctions or racial distinctions. There's no slave or free. There's no socioeconomic distinctions or or distinctions that we kind of place on one another in society. Uh, There's neither male nor female. um, So there's no gender distinctions. And what we're not talking about here, just to be clear, is that there won't actually be differences, that God has made us unique, and those things are wonderful and good, but those differences will not elevate us or lower us in terms of priority or importance or standing before God and in his kingdom, and therefore with each other. And so, Paul is writing in Ephesians to all these this disparate group of people trying to figure out how do we actually live in unity with one another when we are so different with different values, different priorities, different abilities, different, you get the idea, right? And then he gets really practical at the end. When he starts looking at uh, relationships where there are distinctions, like in husband and wife, Mm. he'll also talk about children and parents where there's strong distinctions or priority classes. And then he'll talk about even slaves and uh, the free people and even slave owners And imagine that disparity. Here's what he says to wives and husbands. Wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the body uh, of of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so wives should also submit to their husbands in, and here's the key word, everything. 
which seems to make the question that the person is bothered by like 10 times worse Mm -hmm. submit in everything. And of course this passage has been horribly, horribly abused. It has been taken, I think in a two literalistic fundamental wooden kind of way that that means if I want to beat you up, you should just say thank you. Mm. Or if I want to abuse you in any kind of capacity, you're supposed to submit to me. It's not the intention of what Paul is getting at here, but what he is in essence saying is wives put your husband first. His dreams before your dreams, his hopes before your hopes, his his desires before your desires, his will before your will, his his good before your good, his safety before your safety, him before you. All right. At which point there's a lot of guys that are kind of going, this is awesome. I just found my life verse. I'll never say it out loud, of course. Um, and, and women just kind of like broiling, you know, under the guise of it. And of course, people hate Paul because of passages like this and condemn the Bible and, and, and do all kinds of absurd things because they don't read more than two sentences. Yeah. The next line is husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So the metaphor is this wives treat your husbands the way you would treat Christ. Husbands treat your wives the way Christ would treat his followers or his church. So I'm going to ask the simple question, how did Christ treat his followers or his church? Throw out some examples. Love. He loved them. Respect. He respected them. Cherished. He cherished them. Give me examples now. words, exactly. How? Like, how would he do it? Give me a Bible story. Give me an example. Give me a line. Give me an anecdote. I mean, as far as even just... This seems like a weird example, but I just thought of like Jesus overturning the tables in the temple. Like he's that passionate about the church and about, um, I, I think just the the wholeness of it and the holiness of it that he's willing to kind of break all the societal rules to go, no, this is how it should be. So we'll fight for it. He'll break the societal rules for it. Mm-hmm. He'll even do something that he knows this is the event that got him killed ultimately yeah. that will result in his death for it. All right. What else? Great one. Well, what about the woman at the well? What about the woman at the well? The woman who's caught in adultery, Mm -hmm. caught in sin. They want to stone her. And he stands the line right there, stares them down and is willing to stand alone by her side when everyone else wants to condemn her. Great example, even at risk to himself. Right? Yeah. Fantastic. What else comes to mind? I mean, you know, if you start in like a story of Mary and Martha, like, She's, I get it, I'm confused which one is which. Martha's the Martha's, worker, Mary's, yeah, the, Mary's the one sitting the around. Listening yeah, and yeah. everything. And Martha's kind of like, hey, get up and do something. And Jesus is like, no, like this is what you should be doing is, you know, listening and that type of stuff. So he goes to bat for her. He protects mm-hmm. her even when people are going after her in other kind of ways. And I think doesn't of, shame Mary for what she's doing. Not at all. And I think of other things too. I think of the way that um, the gospels will talk about Jesus basically working all day doing ministry all day and he'll come back home at night and there's people gathered at his door and he has compassion on them when all he wants to do is sit in the lazy boy, pop a beer and watch TV. Right. Yeah. And yet he gives up of his own desires for her. Let's not miss the absolute obvious one. He actually dies for the church and sacrifices his own life in the most horrible ways. Even when the church is crying out um, mockery and insult in putting him there And he responds with, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I think the instance where he 
um, is meeting with his disciples at the Last Supper and he ties a towel around his waist and takes the most humbling of positions and starts washing their feet. You never see Jesus using his disciples as a stepping stone to his own agenda. You never see him using them as a pawn to his own advantage. In fact, you always see the opposite, him seeing things like, I have come to serve, not be served, and to give my life for a ransom for many. He gives his life in every way. He dies for them, but he also lives them because that's what love is it's not just an affectionate feeling to which i always ask the question then do you then have any problem submitting to someone to use paul's language whose entire life mission is to put your dreams before his dreams your hopes before his hopes your future before his future your safety before his safety your joy before his joy your betterment before his betterment right And I think what's more significantly messed in this whole discussion is the line that even kicks these, this dichotomy of positions off where Paul says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Yeah. Wives submit to your husbands, obey them, put them first. Husbands do the exact same thing. And that is the biblical paradigm for marriage right out of the Bible. And what I find is that some of these liturgies tried to capture that, language, but they kind of do a piss poor job of it because they're trying to be short. They're truncating things. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not giving a, I just gave like, what, an eight minute talk on it. And no no one wants to listen to that in a vow. And so these little phrases get dropped without being understood or developed and people get the wrong impression by it. So uh, to answer the question, I understand why you can be bothered by that, especially because of the way it's so maybe taken out of context or abused or misunderstood. But I really want to kind of challenge you at the same time to the fuller, richer understanding of what biblical marriage is, because I think there's something amazing there, that the biblical idea of marriage is not 50-50. It's 100-100. Each person giving themselves completely over to the other. Which is why it's so important before you get married to make sure that you're both yeah. on the same page in that, you know, and you're you have the same language and the same understanding. And of course, which none of us ever do either, which is, of course, what makes marriage so difficult and hurtful and Mm -hmm. harm and filled with resentment and wounds and and everything else. Um, But that's hopefully that gives some uh, some direction in navigating what you hear. I'm not going to speak for every individual church or what every individual minister intends by the language, because there certainly has been abuse uh, within the Christian church by this. But at least there's the I want to take you back to the fundamentals. Yeah, I think it's, it's very cyclical of you know wives listen to your husbands but then like but then husbands love your wives and then wives put your husbands first and husbands put your wives first and it, it it's never one over the other it seems like it's always just paired together and i'll and tell you the rules yeah might be different or the ways that that comes through is different I, I always get like this picture like a, a, a yin yang you know where it's like swirling Mm-hmm. on top of each other. And I think where we get it messed up, I know where I certainly do, is when I make it an if-then statement. Mm-hmm. If you do your side, I'll do my side. And you're not going to see any language like that in the Bible. It's just... Unconditional. Unconditional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just do it. Now, I, you know, I feel because we have such a large listening audience and, and a diverse listening audience that uh, things like this need to be said. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people... And in instances in this world where someone is being horribly abused mm-hmm. by the other. None of this is meant to be indicated by me or more importantly, the Bible or Christian theology to somehow be, uh, 
ransacked and abused by another human being indiscriminately. Of course, in minor ways, we always take abuse from each other and learn to forgive in that. But that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking no about manipulation of it. actual just, you know, evil, physical yeah. abuse, sexual abuse, you know, um, emotional abuse that's just uh, tyrannical, you know, things of that nature. So uh, understand, please, that in those kinds of cases, please get help, get yourself safe. And it just feels necessary to say in this day and age, yep. probably every day and age, yep. but I think we've come to realize it more. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Of course, uh, you're listening to 216 The Net. This is questions you never thought you could ask in church. And uh, like, follow uh, Fellowship of Faith out there on Facebook, YouTube. Um, these guys also roll on Sunday mornings here, 216 The Net, from, I don't know, what is it, 10 o'clock to like 1130. Uh, that's the uh, worship time. Absolutely fantastic stuff. Also, like, follow us, subscribe on our YouTube as well. Uh, but if you've got questions, feel free to text them into 815 314 24 hours a day. You're cruising in your car. You got a you got a question? Drop it in the inbox. We'll get to it for sure. If you're listening and following us here on social media, throw it into the comment uh, section as we've had a couple uh, today do that as well. But good stuff. Just I got to yeah, not, yeah, not, not to poke the bear on this. Poke the bear. Oh, oh, yeah, let's oh, poke. poke the groundhog. Poke the groundhog. Get the groundhog. <laughs> <laughs> the ground bear. Um, is this is a Middle Eastern author? Paul, right? And it, in a Middle Eastern area and a Middle Eastern religion. And in the Middle East, even today, women are lesser, I guess, quote unquote, right? They're, they're not equal as we would like them to be here in, in America, uh, in the Western. Are we taking our Western uh, civilization thoughts and ethics and trying to put them onto the biblical passage so that it feels good for us? No, great question. I'm glad you, you brought this up. Of course, that's always a danger for us that, uh, you know, we can overstate or too overly filter our own Western worldview and impose it on another culture, assuming that we're right. But I don't think that's the case here. And the reason why is that from the very beginning, Jesus' relation to women was utterly radical um, and utterly scandalous. And I don't mean by that like sexual impropriety or something like that, but the way that he honored, dignified, and elevated women. A, a couple of just very quick examples of this is it's notable, and uh, New Testament scholars have pointed this out repeatedly, that it's women who are the prime witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus, which would not hold weight in a Middle Eastern culture, and yet that's what Jesus decided to base his testimony on. In the, fr from the very beginning, it was women who came flocking to Christ and the church because for once being, shall we say, dignified or honored or whatever kind of language you want to give it in a way that had never really been um, experienced before that. And I think that's actually been true in the history of the church. Go into any Christian church today and count how many women are there versus men. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> and you're not going to see a one-to-one -one ratio. And so, and, and, and oddly enough, even in, in, in the churches that might, take the harshest, strictest, or even inappropriate view of women, you'll still see that to be the case oftentimes. But certainly from the very beginning, um, it's often been a movement, and, and especially among Christian writers to follow, where, where women have been honored in these ways that I'm talking about and, and looked at as equal. So again, back to Paul's line, there is no difference, male or female, 
you might want to distinguish, and it certainly was in their day. Paul's like, no, the way of Jesus is different. Uh, Galatians 3.29, black and white. And I, I think yeah. from someone who maybe is an unbeliever, uh, that your, your description there or um, how you, what is the word I'm looking for, described it, I think would be appropriate. However, at the same time, as a since I know Kent is a, a a follower of Christ, I would have to say too is is that this is the if you believe that the Bible is the Word of God, then I I don't know that these these ideas or words actually came from Paul; they came from God. So therefore, I don't know that you could that because of God is a God of everything, not just Eastern civilization or or Western. Or Western yeah. I think it's relevant for all then at that point. So yeah. just a tag. Yeah. yeah Great no, question. Great I, question. I, I'm with you. Uh, I that's you just are. a question. You couldn't ask. Love it's, it. it's really Love cool it. though yeah. to, to have you over there because it's like the voice of God coming in. <laughs> it really is. You do have really a is. very godlike yeah. voice. Yeah. That's that is don't tell he's don't been tell told that kids. a million times. Not, <laughs> uh, honey, uh, it's on tape now. There yeah. And because we have the break, should we should we uh um maybe just so that people can relax and listen to the rest of the show without being on pins and needles about the announcement. You guys don't know what I'm talking about, do you? Steve's been saving this the, one for no. The announcement is we're going to continue to stay on Spotify. We're not going to pull our content off Spotify. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. People have just been waiting, waiting, and hoping. <laughs> we're not. We're not. For those of you that Joe know, Rogan. know, and if you don't know, well, then whatever. Well, too bad. Google it. Uh, so we have one one more question. Uh, big this, announcement. That's right. <laughs> your big announcement is that we're doing nothing. Yeah, right. We're staying here. Uh, one more question regarding kind of a husband and wife relationship. Um, I would mm-hmm. like to tithe a little amount of money, but my husband did not support my decision of wanting to tithe. Mm-hmm. So my question is, how do I respond? Yeah, thank you so much for asking. And I don't want in any way undermine the just uh, – the wrestle, the weight, the sensitivity, and I think uh, the deeper issues that this is probably symptomatic of. Uh, you, you know, this is not uncommon. I see this happen a lot. And per the per the statement made earlier, I often see it on this side of the equation mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. Um, the woman is devoted to Christ, to a local church. The man, not so much. Um, the woman wants to practice the way of generosity um, more than her husband does or at all. For that matter, it certainly happens on both sides of the equation, but um, I want to encourage you that you're not alone in this, and a lot of people have had to walk this path. I know that doesn't make it easier, but do take heart that this is you not not unique to you. Um, you know, I would give you a couple of recommendations here today. One is you have to have the open conversation with your husband about this. Don't, don't sneak behind his back. Don't lie. Don't do things that dishonor the name of Christ or put a wedge between you and him. excuse me, Um, uh, that's only going to breed resentment or something later. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had this hard conversation with him, but you really need to. You need to sit down uh, at an appropriate time, say you need to listen to this, and share with him what you believe, why you believe it, why you're committed to it, and why that is leading you to want to do that. And then after that, you need to listen to him. Hopefully, he meets you in that place. Hopefully, he's willing to discuss it. Hopefully, he's willing to hash it out with you. And if so, I think you guys are going to find some kind of mediating ground on it. But oftentimes, 
this is symptomatic of a deeper issue, um, a, a deeper issue of, of uh, a deeper communication issue, a deeper difference of values, a deeper um, um, divide over money in general, um, which of course is symptomatic of a deeper divide over what you prioritize in life. And it may be the case that you've let a lot of other things go in those relational, conversational, and walking the same road kind of issues that this is just one of a hundred things that's that's tapping on. But it stings because there's a tangible, measurable marker to it. And in those kinds of cases, what I would encourage you to do is, is honestly get marriage counseling. Mm-hmm. And marriage counseling does not mean that you're stage four terminal in your relationship or something like that. I really uh, recommend marriage counseling for anyone, the happiest of couples and and and, and the most struggling of couples. Uh, just like I recommend people going to see the dentist twice a year or go to the doctor or uh, get your car tuned up. Um, there's something that a third party can bring in. Um, it could be a pastor, a religious leader, a, a professional counselor. Of course, make sure that you check what their values are and things like that um, ahead of time and vet them. But um, work through some of the deeper issues and maybe this is an opportunity to spark that off and Believe me, I know what I'm saying. I know that will come with cost. I know that'll probably come with pushback. I know that'll probably come with argument. I know that'll probably come with a number of other things. But sweeping it under the rug isn't going to solve it either. Um, so that's about the best I can give you without more context. Yeah, and on you know, one. if if because sometimes it's challenging to get your significant other to go to something like Absolutely. it because they feel like, well, you they're know, being judged, judged, being scrutinized, right? they're being ganged up on. But a resource yeah. that I'll recommend because you're one, you're one couple of maybe three, four hundred couples is the weekend. Remember, Family Life puts it on. It's a fantastic uh, weekend where it's a Friday night, Saturday, and a and a Sunday morning, and there's a lots of different topics that they're going to take you through. And you continue to work on those throughout the year. And it's awesome. So highly recommend it. Yeah. This is a good conversation starter. Yep. For all Absolutely. Topics. Yep. Yeah. And it's not just finance. It's not just finances. You know, it's a number of things. And you'll always find, you know, what, whatever year of marriage you're in, there's always something that needs to be worked on. Yeah. You know, so, and I would say simply with this conversation, also be patient allow God to work in his life and him to process Mm -hmm. after you've shared what's important to you and things like that, as opposed to railroading him or dismissing too quickly. Uh, It takes time. We all know it. It's, 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 it's really a hard road, but uh, it's, it's a road worth walking. Yep. Okay. Here's one for you. Uh, Comment section. Andrew says, uh, my question today is that how would you respond to the statement that God allows evil? I would respond. Yeah, he does. You want to expand on that for him? No, not too much. Okay. Um, I think it's self-evident. Of course, God allows evil. Um, if God is all-powerful and evil exists, he's obviously allowing it. And I don't even think that's just a common sense approach to life. I think it's a biblical approach to life. You see, you know, this is the other side of the word patience in the Bible. You see God described as patient all the time. Well, who is he patient with? Evil people. Mm. Evil situations. Because as Paul will put it, God does not want to condemn anyone, but wants all to come to repentance, which means patience. He puts his word out there. He makes his call. And he allows people to come to him freely. But that does, by um, extension, allow evil to continue, despite it's not what God desires or wants. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Hard one. Hard one to wrap a mind around, but there you go. That's Andrew Kiza from Uganda. All right. All right. Uganda's tuned in today. Fantastic. Great having you with us.
So another one here. Uh, my family and I are currently searching for a new church home. I was wondering if you could give me some information on your beliefs. Specifically, we are hoping to find a place that is welcoming to those in the LGBTQ community. Mm, fantastic. Okay, thank you so much for asking because obviously this is such a a hard, sensitive, delicate thing for so many people, Christian and non-Christian alike. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to make just a very brief statement about the general question of information on beliefs, but then really hone in on the LGBTQ question. In this day and age, most churches are going to have some kind of statement of faith page on their website. And uh, be it Fellowship of Faith, or fellowshipoffaith.org, or any church for that matter, you know, I think it's always good to just read it over and, and see what they claim to stand on. And if you have follow-up questions, um, I, I've yet to meet a pastor who is not happy to sit down with someone. Um, we live for that moment. Um, it's like, really, someone out there is actually curious they want and to talk. discuss <laughs> about God? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So, so you know, set up an appointment and, and ask him the pointed questions and see how he answers and what he answers and how this goes. But let's get uh, to the LGBT question, LGBTQ question right now. You know, the, the Christian church, I think, right now is in a quandary over this, um, trying to figure it out themselves, uh, much like they had to figure out the divorce question two or three generations ago. Uh, and here's what I mean. And, and maybe talking about this by way of divorce will we'll prove a helpful analogy. I, I don't really think there's a person in this world who who's going to say that divorce is good. All right. Um, and in fact, the Bible will even say that divorce is not good. And then at some level, you could even argue that this, that the divorce is something that can defy God's will. Um, that, 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 that God will even say Malachi, the prophet will even say, I hate divorce at one point. And I always loved my cousin's response who, who has been divorced to this going, I've been through a divorce and I know why God hates divorce. It's a horrible, painful thing. Mm -hmm. And the church had to kind of wrestle through an era of going, well, what does it mean with the reality of people who are divorced? Do we just go, doesn't matter if you're divorced, doesn't matter if you want a divorce, everything's okay, we're not going to make any kind of call on divorce? Or is it an equal and opposite reaction of going, no, divorce is bad, divorce is wrong. If you're divorced, you're second-class citizen. If you're divorced, you're kind of on the outskirts. If you're divorced, you can't really be a part of the body or something like that. And, and the church had to navigate it and truthfully is navigating it still. Mm -hmm. I think the church is in the same place with the LGBTQ question today because the reality is there are a lot of people who are attracted to people of the same sex. Um, and, and people who have been uh, abused because of that, people who have been made fun of because of that, people who have been physically uh, abused because of that, people who just kind of live in fear of, of, of judgment or, or, or uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for, of, of just the downward glance of the snickers of, of the talk, you know, of all that kind of thing going, I might have attraction to someone of the same sex, but I, I'm also attracted to God and I, I want to have a relationship with him. And so I can tell you this, I cannot speak for every single church because you are going to see a divergent of approaches, some healthy, some not on this question. I am simply going to share with you what I think the biblical position is on this and the details are going to have to be let, left out to the local community. If you are someone who is attracted to someone of the same sex or both sexes, or insecure in your own gender identity, 
or, or, or sexual identity, or you're questioning it, or whatever other letter you want to add to this, God loves you. God loves you unconditionally. And when I say God loves you for who you are, I want to nuance this by saying that does not mean that God thinks you're perfect or that you've got everything pulled together or that you're without sin in your life, but God loves you. And the church is meant to be a place where people whom God loves can come with all of their brokenness, all of their mess, all of their hurt, all of their questions, all of their struggles, whatever it might be, to find acceptance by God and challenge by God. Because God meets us exactly where we're at, but is not content to leave us in that place. And so what church is supposed to be is a place that we can come openly with all of our mess and with all of our issues and with all of our sins and with all of our struggles and with all of our desires and with all of our divergent kind of things. You getting what I mean by this? I can paint this with a thousand other synonyms here today, if you will, or, or examples to come openly with it and go, I, I know I'm here among other people who are coming with their own questions, their own brokenness, their own sins, their own struggles, their own values, their own divergent um, uh, opinions, their own things like that, and meeting God in this place, knowing I'm loved and at the same time challenged to see what Jesus' way is through the middle of it. So I encourage you, if you are LGBTQ and you do identify with that, to find a church who's going to meet you in that place, love you in that place, challenge you in that place, and walk alongside of you from there. Yeah, and I think have be able to have the conversation too. So I think that's, it sounds like that's kind of what was going on with divorce in that, in that time. I don't think I was alive then, but it, that seems to be kind of what's happening today too. Is like, Oh, we just don't talk about it. Which isn't healthy it, either. Yeah. It's like, that's not helpful. That, that's not. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, it, hopefully the spirit of even the show speaks to that. Ask the questions you have. And I, and I want to say one more thing in regard to this. You are never going to find a church in all of human history or in existence today where everyone in that place is going to think the same thing or treat you in the same way. And I say that because a lot of people can walk into a church and they get a stink eye by someone. They get a rude comment by someone. They feel judged by someone. And so they walk away. Well, you're heading for a path of isolation that mm -hmm. way. What's important to find out is what does the church claim to believe? How does the leadership position themselves? And what seems to be the, can I put it this way, majority flow mm -hmm. of, uh, of the culture and sentiment and, and approach that people are taking? Um, just like you cannot judge a nation by one person, or you can't judge a, uh, an establishment or a business by one person. Don't judge a, a church either by um, the wrong way um, that one person is approaching you. Because I, I'll tell you, this churches are filled with sinners and churches are filled with non-Christians. And the person who is treating someone in a certain way <laughs> might not be a Christian themselves or certainly living the way of Christ, even though you represent the church by that person in your mind. Yeah. So you got to kind of be nuanced in your approach to this. And, and it takes guts. And I get that. Um, but it's worth it. Yeah. Be bold and have the conversation. Like you said, Andrew. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for asking. Uh, last, probably maybe the last one here. We'll see. Um, one of my kids asked me a question about whether believing in astrology and horoscopes goes against the word of mm. God. I know there are many verses in the Bible that discuss this, but if there is one that you think captures that God is against astrology would be best. 
So is there is there a verse that you think captures God's feelings, opinions on that? Yeah, I'm going to kind of hourglass this one. Let me kind of talk about it broad. I'll come down to the verse and I'll implicate it back out. All right. If you're looking for the specific word astrology in the Bible, you are not going to find it too often. You'll find it predominantly in something like Daniel, if you will, um, and, and mentioned a few other places. But more broadly speaking, what you do see in the Bible is a prohibition and a warning against things like divination, omens, mediums, sorcery, witchcraft, um, telling the future, communing with the dead. I, I know that isn't the stars specifically, but, but all of these what I would call esoteric or subtle arts, if you will, by which people are trying to supernaturally gain power over the universe or read the future. Mm. Specifically, I love how Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, engages in this. Because Isaiah will make the recurring point, especially in the back half of the book from like chapter 40 on, that only God knows the future. That one of the things that makes God unique is he is the only one who accurately knows the future. And there's a lot of like pleading by Isaiah and discussion by Isaiah and, and calling out and even some chiding by Isaiah of people trying to go stop following these other things and turn to the one true God who actually knows. This is, I, I was typing and looking this up. This is from Isaiah 47. Um, Verse uh, 12, I'll start at. And, and this is said kind of like an exasperated parent telling his kid, like, fine, just keep doing it because I warned you a thousand times. Mm -hmm. And he's saying this against Babylon. Babylon or the Chaldeans were known for their esoteric arts. They were known for being uh, deeply involved in divination and astrology and things like that. And this is what he says. Uh, 47 verse 12. Keep on then with your magic spells and with your many sorceries, which you have labored at since childhood. Perhaps you will succeed. Perhaps you will cause terror. All the counsel you have received has only worn you out. So all this effort you're putting into this has only worn you out. Let your astrologers come forward, those stargazers who make predictions month by month. Let them save you from what is coming upon you. Surely you are like stubble. The fire will burn them up. They cannot even save themselves from the power of the flame. These are not coals for warmth. This is not a fire to sit by. This is all they are to you. These you have dealt with and labored with since childhood. All of them go on in their error. Not one of them can save you. What, what he's basically telling Babylon is people are putting all their hope or all their fear in this nation who thinks it has the entire destiny mapped out and even read the stars to do it. Mm -hmm. And God's like, wait a minute. You think you know, you don't know, and you think they can tell you, you can't tell you. Uh, you know, the prevailing message of the Bible is seek God for the comfort and security in your future, not the stars. And live a life based on his principles to uh, build your future rather than trying to find something preordained for you. Now, I will uh, implicate it out in one way. Something very interesting happens in the New Testament. Magi see a star and come and in their um, travel find Jesus. Uh, there's all this speculation about who the Magi are and what this star they have seen actually is. 
Well, most think that they're Persian. Um, uh, Babylon was uh, uh, conquered by Persia later on, but but again, known for its mystic arts, magic arts, astrology, and stuff like that. There were astrologers and diviners and sorcerers. Magi actually is short for like magician, um, but not like pulling rabbits out of your hat, <laughs> you know, kind of way. And, uh, you know, there's all this speculation. I find it fascinating. I'm not going to get into the details, like what they saw. Did, did, did God give them something supernatural that kind of just like led the way and stopped over, you know, the manger or the house where, where Jesus was at? Or, uh, you know, were they chasing a comet? Or were they reading the Zodiacs? And because of the phase of the houses into the house of Pisces at the time, there's all the speculation about that as well. And Pisces, of course, is the fish. And the fish became the symbol for Jesus. And I think it's more like conspiracy theorists than it is accurate, like but, but it's kind of fun. Yeah. It's kind of fun to play with. But there is all this kind of speculation. Were they just reading the stars to see that something happened or was it supernatural? But what I find fascinating is how God did use something that he even commands against mm -hmm. to still being people that he loves engaged in something that he does not endorse. And they see more clearly than the very people who should have known better because of the condition of the heart. And so I throw that out there because sometimes when I talk about this, I get that pushback and I'm just going to preempt it by saying that none of that is in any way to say that God endorses what they're doing. None of that is to say that you should seek astrology. God has given you something far more clearer than trying to figure out the stars. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, in that you'll find him. All right. Real quick follow up to um, the last section. Dave, are you a pastor open to having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with the about LGBTQ? If so, how can someone interested in having the conversation get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for asking. Absolutely. Let's get out of the general and get specific. If you ever want to talk to me about this, go to our website, fellowshipoffaith.org. On that website, you're going to find a meet the staff page or just even a general contact like field that you can fill out. And that will come to me. Um, you know, just contact me through that, through email or through phone call, whatever it happens to be. And I'd love to sit down with you and navigate some of the, the complexities that this situation always brings, the nuances that it brings yeah. um, for you or a family member or whoever it happens to be. Yeah. 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 Thanks for asking. Yeah. yeah I think the same goes with if, you know, even if one of the questions we answered today or any in past episodes, if you want follow up on that or you have clarification or things like that. Can I say that they should email you as well? Uh, yeah, um, absolutely. Absolutely. Or text in again if, if you have a specific question or you yeah. want clarification on something. Like you know, and I'm even paper. happy to give email and numbers online, but I think it's just easier to give the website because it's all easy to find right there. Yep. So just link into fellowshipoffaith.org and you'll find uh, with 30 seconds of searching, if that, 10 seconds of searching, you're going to find the contact information intuitive and easy to find. And yeah, I would love to talk. Yeah. Kent's raising his number one finger over there. So we're down to one minute. One no, he's minute. just saying he's number one. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Dave's number one. <laughs> yeah. God's number one. The voice of God, number one. <laughs> With his tiara, whatever. He's still uh, number one. Yeah. Well, as always, we've gotten more questions in than we've been able to answer. And if we haven't gotten to your question today, we will get to it in the future. If today's episode has raised more questions for you, 
I'm actually glad Great. about that. Yeah. Please continue asking. And, and our hope is that the church is always a place where we can walk together. Again, you can text 24-7 to 815-314-0363. We broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon, 1230 to 1.30 p.m. Central Time. But you can always catch us in recording on Spotify, your favorite podcast provider, or go to fellowshipoffaith.org. Visit the FOF Plus page and you'll find past recordings there and future ones to come. Yep. Thank you so much for listening today. Thank you for the happy birthday kind of yeah, greeting. Yeah, yeah. Happy well, Groundhog Day to you all! Next and next week yeah, we big, have big got show next week. we have got a special guest who's joining us. Um, I am just simply going to call him an exorcist. He will not refer to himself this way, but it is someone who has been highly immersed over his ministry career in this strange, highly questioned, highly wondered about area of spiritual warfare, demon possession, things like that. He's going to be on the show to share the experiences he has to answer questions relating to to what it is, what it isn't, and how to kind of navigate through and and why it's it's, it's less weird and less less, um, spectacular Mm -hmm. than most people think, but far more important than we give credit to. So that's next week. Hope you can join us. God bless and uh, have a great week. Have a great week. Yeah.